Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. They've raised the bar on Rochester Sports Talk. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. Hey, you're back in the sports bar. It's Danger and Battaglia. I got the text late last night. I looked at my phone. It's from Gene. Matthew Fairburn will be our 425 guest tomorrow. And a big smile crossed my face. I'm like, yes. Yes. One of our original favorites. One of our regulars. Fairburn Fridays. Remember Fairburn Fridays in the early days of the sports bar? It's been far too long since we've welcomed Matthew Fairburn, now of The Athletic, back into the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia. Buddy, uh, how you been? How are you? Uh, So much to get caught up on. You're covering the Sabres now for The Athletic, and it's good to have you back in the sports bar. Oh, I'm doing well. It's great to hear your voices. How are you guys? Yeah, well, listen, we got questions. Matthew, we're doing great. Um, before we talk about the Amherst and the Sabres and everything, since you were last on the Bills beat, just what is it like covering Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots? Part <laughs> one of the question. And then how did you come back to Western New York here? You know, Bill Belichick wasn't so bad. I feel like, uh, you know, it's hard not to know what you're getting into, right? As far as the um, the delivery and and the press conferences and everything else, it was a tricky year because it was still COVID protocols and a lot of stuff on Zoom, no locker room access. But uh, I found Bill to be enlightening at times. Um, it depends on the day, it depends on his mood, but uh, it was a fun experience. And you know, John Vogel decided to. Uh, step away from writing about the Sabres uh, last around this time last year, mm-hmm. actually. And uh, my wife and I were missing Buffalo, and that was sort of the opportunity to get back, and the company was open to it. So uh, I grew up playing hockey. Hockey was, you know, kind of my my first love growing up uh, sports-wise. And so it was a blast getting to be at the rink every day. And certainly the Sabres team and uh, and the Amherst have made it interesting, right? Uh, it's been a long time since I think there was this much excitement top to bottom in the organization. So, Matthew, you mentioned your love for hockey. We know, uh, I know that you you played goalie, and you're one hell of a goaltender, by the way. Just from the one charity time that we got charity game that we got to share uh, a sheet of ice together. I, I'm curious before we talk about the Amherst series here in Toronto um, through the course of the season. I'm sure you're viewing the Sabers through a key, the, and specifically their goaltending situation through a more keen eye. Um, we certainly had questions down the stretch as to how they. 
managed UPL, why UPL isn't with Rochester here at this time of the season. Uh, did it come down as simply to at the time where you could have made UPL available to the Amherst here in the postseason? He was your number one goaltender and you couldn't give him up for Buffalo? Yeah, from the way Don Granado talked about that situation, you know, he's very in touch with the psychological aspects of developing these young players and handling them a certain way. And I think his big thing with UPL was that he didn't want to send mixed signals and, and make him think, you know, any, think about anything other than the fact that he was a big part of what they, they were doing in Buffalo this season. And that if they were going to get where they needed to go, they needed him locked in. And so, you know, would a paper transaction at the deadline have messed with his confidence or his focus that much? I'm not sure. You know, Don Granado probably knows a little better than I do about the player in that regard, but it didn't work out great for UPL down the stretch because he didn't play a lot right? Uh, in the last month of the season. And then now he doesn't get the experience in Rochester, but, you know, goaltending has not been a big issue for Rochester. So that's been the, the plus side of it for them from their standpoint, but yeah, it certainly didn't work out great for UPL, and it was a strange year for him on the whole where you thought he was going to start, you know, he was going to start the year in Rochester, and they were comfortable with him playing there all year if he had to. Injuries forced him in there. He played well. Then he hit a, a bit of a rough patch, and so it felt like people were ready to give up on him by the end of the year uh, externally, fans and and people watching, but he's still so young and still has so much potential as everybody in Rochester has seen, so I'm curious to see what happens with him this offseason and going forward into next year. Yeah, we've seen it, but we didn't see it last postseason. He was hurt, and that would have been kind of the benefit here. What is it like? Because it's a different level, whether you're in the NHL, the AHL. Matthew, I'm of the belief, and you, you certainly cover the team, but is it fair to say that the Sabres, they knew Devin Levi was good, but they really didn't know what they had. And then he shows up, and he performs, and all of a sudden UPL oh, yeah, you're getting less ice time. We're trying to get into the postseason. Like, the plan, if they had to do it in reverse, they would have because, really, ultimately, they didn't know exactly what they had in Devin Levi. Yeah, I definitely don't see why it would have been a bad thing for UPL to be playing postseason games in Rochester. Like, I just, I know he cares about a lot of the guys on the Amherst and still feels a connection there. And so I, I don't think that would have been a huge problem for his confidence to be playing in the AHL again. The Devin Levi piece of it is, is interesting because they certainly had a lot of expectations for Devin Levi, but did they expect him to be playing on a nightly basis and basically trying to carry them to the playoffs? Probably not. I don't think uh, even the most optimistic uh, of Sabres fans was expecting that and expectations were very high for this kid. So it, it was a weird situation where they had four goalies and didn't really know which one was going to be the one to step up. And for Devin Levi to be that guy was best case scenario at the deadline. Did they know that he was going to come in? Did they know that he was going to sign? Did they know that he would come in and play right away? All these different factors that they were probably uncertain about, but again, it would have just been a paper transaction. It wouldn't have been that hard to explain to UPL, hey, we're just doing this just in case. Uh, at the end of the year, we want to get you some extra games and you feel like you need some more reps and you can get that playoff experience if we don't get it here. But I, I know Don Granado is very sensitive to some of these psychological issues and, and tries to 
you know, really be careful about the messages he's sending to players. But UPL did seem pretty, pretty bummed out by the end of the year because of how it all played out. So, Matthew, what, what do you think their plan is? What is Kevin Adams' plan here for, for the goaltending in Buffalo this summer? You know, Comrie still has a, a year left on his contract. Is he the odd man out, or is there a trade somewhere that, that happens this offseason? What do you think they do here in terms of setting that goaltending depth chart here heading into next season? My best feeling right now is that they are comfortable going to camp with those three goalies. Hmm. Now, how that will play out is is not really, you know, set in stone because you would have to waive one of UPL or Comrie to get them to go to Rochester. And because UPL's contract is NHL only next season, you know, you could, you certainly have the option of Rochester for Devin Levi, but it doesn't even seem to be something that, no. that they're considering at right. this point. And it's crazy because when he signed, I thought, you know, there was a good chance he would start, next season in Rochester, but the way he played, the way they talk about him, I think they want to see what he can do. If it were me, I would probably go out and get a veteran and pair him with Levi, and that might mean moving UPL and or Comrie, but it does feel like they have a, they're okay if they go into camp with those three goalies, and then that would probably mean that Comrie potentially gets waived at the end of camp, and maybe he goes to Rochester. I would think he would get picked up. He's a capable backup. Injuries derailed him last year, but he's you know goaltending isn't exactly a position that's flush with with capable guys that have proven it at the NHL level. It's a a tough position to figure out for a lot of teams across the league. So I don't know if you can even sneak Comrie through waivers and get him to Rochester, but otherwise you're you're on the trade market, I would think, or looking to free agency, and that's a mixed bag too. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go into camp with the guys that they know, and especially with Levi and UPL, two guys that they feel really good about, definitely with Levi, and I think they feel a lot better about Lukanen than they did at the beginning of the year. Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic, our guest here in the sports bar as uh, well. There's still hockey going on here in the organization. We're hoping for a little while here in Rochester, game one tomorrow night. And Matthew, you spent some time here in the Flower City talking to some of the guys. Your impressions here of a 19-year-old Yuri Kulik and a 20-year-old Isaac Rosine, who both of them having a, a big, big part here, like, are, are these guys ahead of schedule? I mean, how much of is it to ask for a deep run here in the Calder Cup playoffs or guys that who when the season began were teenagers literally yeah, I really love what they've done as an organization where you know I was talking to Seth Affert about this last week where that they they wanted to win with their prospects and so they're they're not just okay with the fact that Yuri Kulik and, and Isak Rosan are, are playing these big roles that they, they wanted that that's by design and they want these guys to go through these types of experiences. And I think that's a, a, a good, you know, philosophy to have as an organization, but it's even better when it works out and yeah. you're actually winning games on top of it because winning matters, I think at that level, maybe more than people, you know, give it credit for. I, I think having these guys go through a playoff series, winning a playoff series, uh, you know, last year it was Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka uh, going through it. That stuff really matters. Mm-hmm. For development, even if you don't think that winning at the AHL level translates to winning at the NHL level, which there's probably some truth to that. It's a different gear. The NHL playoffs are going to be different. I just think going through, getting the extra weeks of game time, getting the extra intensity of game time, 
you can get a lot out of that. And I've been super impressed with, with Yuri Kulik in particular, basically from the moment they picked him. You know, he he was talking last year in Montreal. His goal was to play in the NHL year one. Hmm. You didn't hear a lot of guys at the NHL draft saying that. They're 18-year-old kids. They're certainly not guys that are super confident yet in that way or, or they're unsure. They're, they're figuring things out outside of the top, you know, five picks. The expectation of being in the NHL probably isn't realistic for a lot of them. And yet he was just, he was happy to say that. And he was, he wasn't being, you know, cocky necessarily. It was just a, a he had a, a sh- assuredness about himself and you saw it at development camp. He looked he didn't look like an 18-year-old. Physically, he doesn't look like an 18-year-old. I think he's physically more developed than a lot of guys his age. And then you're seeing it, you know, with the the goal and point totals that he's putting up that uh, not many people in the history of the AHL have put up at his age. So he's been super impressive. I don't know if there's going to be a spot for him on the rot- roster in Buffalo next season, depending what they do in free agency. My guess is they will find a spot for him, but. Who knows? He might be back in Rochester next year. And again, I think that's a a credit to what they're building that they don't have to force a guy like that before he's ready or, or Roseanne, same thing. Like if he's not ready to go another year, wouldn't hurt him to physically develop, uh, get stronger, but they have to be thrilled with what they're seeing from both of those players because they've been put into big roles and they really have, have risen to the occasion, particularly in the playoffs. They've, They've responded to some challenges. Kulik getting injured. Roseanne had a tough first couple of games and bounced back. So it's been impressive to see those two. Matthew, I get the impression from your words that you've uh, you're impressed by Seth Appert. We're impressed by by Seth Appert. Uh, I want to get your general impression on Kevin Adams and the job that he's done since taking over the Sabres organization as GM. Because I keep looking for a, a, something to pick apart and say he got that wrong. And I, I if if all I can come up with is yeah, Ralph Kruger, you know, was around a little a couple months longer than we probably needed. If that's all I can come up with, then I'd say he's probably done a pretty good job of steering the ship in the right direction. I would say essentially since Ralph Kruger got fired, everything has been pretty smooth sailing for this group. And it's Kevin Adams wouldn't sit here and say he's been perfect. And I'm not going to say he's been, you know, picture perfect, but I wrote about this a few weeks back that when he first got hired, I was here in Buffalo covering the bills and I was actually on the press conference because it was the first time the Pagulas had spoken in a while. And some of what they were saying was relevant to the bills. Uh, it was in the middle of the pandemic. There was a lot going on. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, like this is a tough spot for this, for Kevin Adams yeah. to be jumping into. Like Terry Pagula said they did not have a GM search. He didn't have any sort of, real front office experience in the hockey ops side. Obviously he played and had a great career, but the the resume and the way Terry Pagula spoke in terms of not having a real general manager search had people making up their minds about him right away, that he was just a convenient hire and they were talking about being economical and all these different things. On top of that, you had players really upset, right? Players that didn't want to play for the Sabres anymore uh, a year later, the Jack Eichel situation unraveled. That was probably the turning point for me. And again, I was kind of looking at it from afar at that point, not covering it. But 
the way he handled the Jack Eichel situation publicly and behind closed doors, the whole thing, and then the return he got in the trade, that was when I thought, okay, I think, you know, they might be onto something here. Like, I think this guy has a feel for what he wants and what he wants to build. And that has not changed since I've, you know, gotten a closer look and, and been covering them on a day-to-day basis. And like I said, you know, you can pick apart little things here and there. Should he have been more aggressive at the trade deadline or in free agency or this, this or that. But I think you can follow the logic on just about everything that they're doing, missing the playoffs by, you know, such a narrow margin stung for a lot of people, but how far they've come in those two years since Ralph Kruger got fired is incredible. Uh, and it's a credit to Kevin Adams. I think Don Granado plays a big role in that. And it's been top to bottom, like, you know, dealing with these guys, uh, they're the way they treat players, the way they communicate with people, the feeling in the building, like it's a good place for people to come to work. Same goes for Rochester. Uh, and, and the, the atmosphere Seth Appert has, has helped create there. I, I just feel like there is a general positive feeling about, you know, both places for the first time in a really long time where, at least from what I heard over the last decade plus, it was just not a good place to be you know, physically coming to work. And I think that is a start because when you're talking about adding players from outside the organization, convincing players to come to Buffalo is not simple. And especially with the reputation that they developed over the last, you know, 12 years missing the playoffs, it's just not, uh, you know, hasn't been a place that a lot of players want to come to play. We still saw that last summer and I think we're still going to see that but I think we're going to start to see it less and less, and it's starting to turn. And I do think Kevin Adams deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, so kind of leads to my next question, Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic. Now, while some teams are still playing, uh, the Sabres would like to be playing this time next year. All right, so what has to happen this offseason? You mentioned the goaltending earlier. You don't expect there to be a trade. We don't think anybody else is coming in at this point. But what about some of the other moves, some of the other decisions? Uh, Olofsson, certainly. Um, you know, what, what about Kyla Pozo? What about getting Getting a you know another defenseman that you can rely on here. What what are the checklist? What is the checklist right now for Kevin Adams in your opinion this offseason? I think defenseman has to be at the top of that list. Uh, you know they scored a ton of goals last season. They have a ton of talent at forward. They have internal organizational you know options if they want to upgrade uh, their forwards without without doing much. You know you could put Kulik in the lineup and and probably upgrade. But I think the one spot where it feels like they were really lacking and they don't have an answer within the organization is on defense and probably a top four defenseman, not just, you know, adding some depth would be nice, but they already did a little bit of that last off season, getting Ilya Labushkin, getting Riley Stillman at the deadline. The, the depth pieces help, but I think they need somebody better than Henry Oki. Are you on the top four? so that Henry Oki Haru can play more manageable minutes and in a role that's easier and better suited to him. Uh, and it'll benefit, you know, two spots essentially by getting a top four defenseman. You mentioned Victor Olofsson, and that's probably near the top of the list as well, figuring out what to do with him, what you can potentially get in return. He was a healthy scratch in some of their most important games down the stretch, which to me indicates that, you know, what a lot of us were seeing uh, they were seeing too that even though the goal totals were 
really good, and you know he's certainly a proven goal scorer in the NHL. He's not necessarily the perfect fit for their bottom six and, and what they need. They have goal scorers on the top six, and Olsen isn't really part of that group. And the way he plays the game, the style of play, like having a different type of player in the bottom six, I think would be helpful. I don't know what they can get for Victor, Victor Olsen. He has a pretty decent salary, over $4 million. I think teams probably know how the Sabres feel about him, considering he was scratched a few times. Right. So his trade market will be interesting, but that would be near the top of my list as well. And, you know, going along with that would be finding some experienced players who are tough to play against in the bottom six. You know, replacing Olsen with a player like that. I would, Going into the playoffs, the Associated Press noted that 14 of the 16 teams had at least one former cup winner on their roster. The Sabres don't have one. Going out and finding somebody who's been there, I think, would be huge. They have great leadership with Kyle Ocposo, but having another person in the room that, that's been there would help this team as they try to you know, get over that hump and into the playoffs. Hey, Matthew, before we uh, let you go, tell us what you've been seeing out of the Rochester Americans here as they head into Game 1 in Toronto tomorrow, and what do we know about the Marlies? What kind of a series are you uh, projecting here, given what we've seen out of Rochester so far this Calder Cup playoff? You know, they have been such a resilient group, and it's been it's been fun to watch how they've been, the way they battled back in that series, and, you know, they're getting, like I said, some Pretty good goaltending. I think they're going to have a good shot against the Marlies. The Marlies went a little bit cold down the stretch. Uh, you know, they have certainly that that's a an AHL club that, that's been tough uh, over the last few years. But I, I like the mix of what Rochester has in an a experienced goalie in Subban. Some, they've got the right amount of experience sprinkled throughout their lineup. These guys that are, that are helping bring along the younger players and now that Kulik is healthy, man, they look they look tough to beat. So I think this is going to be another one of those long series, but I think the Amherst can pull it off. Matthew Fairburn, The Athletic, tell everybody uh, what you got coming up and uh, how people can uh, you know read more of your work at The Athletic. Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, longer stories that I think will be of interest to, to Amherst fans in particular from my trips up there the last couple of weeks. One of them on a on a young defenseman and one of them uh, on kind of an organizational philosophy that, that I've noticed over the last couple of years that um, is definitely a Buffalo centric story, but Rochester's playing a big role. So I'm excited to, to get those couple of stories out here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, everybody can find those over the, at the athletic.com slash sabers now a different mm-hmm. uh, different landing page than my old home are you uh, are you making it up for a week from tonight game three that is my plan uh, is to be out there again next week possibly go to toronto depending on um, what my schedule looks like but yeah definitely targeting those rochester games to to get up there and 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 see these guys again don't, Matt, be, yeah. don't be a stranger. Yeah, we'll, we'll be looking for yeah, you, buddy. We'll, we'll find you on uh, Wednesday. Matthew, appreciate you. It's great catching up with you. Let's do this again soon. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. You got Thank it. You. Matthew Fairburn, covering the Sabres for The Athletic, doing a great job covering the Amherst as well here in their Calder Cup run. Yeah, yeah, and he's right about the resilient part of this Amherst team. I mean, they were down 2 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All the Syracuse had to do was win one game, and, well, here, here you are now facing a, a Marley's team that, all right, they're, they're better than Syracuse. So let's see what happens. All right, we'll get to uh, happy hour next in the sports bar with Danger and Bataglia. And that includes a few NFL scheduling morsels released today. Mm. We'll tell you when we know the Bills are playing in London. We'll tell you why it's our belief, or my belief at least, that the Bills will be doing the same thing this year as they did last year to start the season. Plus, we'll get to your calls if you want to join us on the Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub Wingman line. 866-4326-585-866-4FAN is our phone number. Award-winning barbecue from Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub. New location, 135 West Commercial Street, East Rochester. GoodSmokeBBQ.com. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from X. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 